Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am a certified elder law attorney, and I am the owner of a law firm called the Seckler Law Firm in Cranberry Township. Uh, And we do uh, some work all around the greater Pittsburgh region, really helping people with some very specific issues. We're not a law firm that does family law and traffic tickets and criminal law, we we help people manage their financial affairs, particularly in their retirement years, their golden years, and then we help with post-death administration. So what does all that mean? Well, we do a lot of estate planning. My office, we do lots of wills and trusts. Uh, we help people with what we call a nursing home crisis case, uh, which is when somebody goes into a nursing home and realizes that nursing homes cost about $15,000 a month and the family didn't do anything to prepare. So we help families solve that issue. And then we do um, post-death administration work when you've lost a loved one. And so if you've listened to the show before, what you know is we, we do a lot of education. So uh, I have this radio show uh, primarily just because I want people to understand the things that, that we see going on in our law firm that are problematic. They're challenges for people. And a lot of the things that people experience from sort of a, a, um, a, a financial crisis in the estate or estate planning world or, or nursing home world, these things are entirely preventable with education and proper planning. And I know this stuff isn't fun to think about, uh, but it's important to think about because the key to success in all of this is planning. You know, we, we can understand that this may be the curveball that life may throw at us, at us. And if we understand that that's a potential curveball, let's understand how to swing the bat properly. Let's understand how to hit the curveball and not have it uh, cause us to strike out, right? So um, I hope here at the end of baseball season you appreciate a little baseball analogy. But here's what I want to chat about today. Um, I was at a family reunion uh, over the weekend, and I overheard uh, – someone say about a about a senior um this was the child saying to someone else in her generation that one of the challenges of getting old is seeing your parents get really old right so the person who said this was probably late 50s early 60s she was discussing somebody in her mid 80s her mom uh, who now has some very serious health problems. And it got me to think about, you know, a lot of these shows are, um, and, and the educational content that we do is really focused on our client, you know, the, which may be that senior in their 80s. Uh, you know, we do a lot of estate planning across the generations, but that's the person who needed to do planning. And what I thought I would do is a show today on um, for the caregivers, right? And so the title of today's episode is What to Think About, when the unthinkable happens all right so how can we think about the things if somebody if a, if a parent becomes sick if a parent passes away what uh what are the things that we want to think about uh, and so you know, these these issues you know th- this results in so much energy uh, you know energy and in, in um in, in strife and, and challenges. You know, I, I was speaking with uh, the owner of a relatively large business recently, uh, and he was talking about how many of his employees 
are needing to take time off of work because they are caregivers for their parents. So his staff, he's seeing staff shortages, at least in part because the baby boomer generation and and the seniors are getting older, and now the younger generations are missing work to take care of parents. And so what I thought we would do today is just chat through a couple of things because I think that this is just sort of a sign of the times that more and more people are dealing with these issues. And so here's the things to think about. One, let's first deal with what happens and what do we think about when um, a parent is sort of slipping. We've got health issues on the horizon. Um, One of the key things when it comes to estate planning, one of the things that we teach in our workshops all the time is that estate planning is really about the management of control and access. Well, what do I mean about that? I mean, who's making the decisions? That's the control piece. And then what are they allowed to do with regard to the finances? That's the access piece, okay? So um, if... If I have, am working with a client and um, the, the person has a stroke and now they have mental faculty issues or maybe it's dementia or, or some other thing where mom or dad really cannot manage their own affairs anymore, we see it on the horizon. If we can see it on the horizon and we want to plan ahead, one of the, my, my um, things that I want to say to, uh, to the caregiver children or to the future caregiver children is we need to get a couple of documents in place. So what are the documents? One. We need to have a good financial power of attorney, okay? So the financial power of attorney is a document that shifts control when someone needs assistance, all right? Now, the way that power of attorney documents work is different than, I think, the way that most people think a power of attorney document works. So there are essentially two types of power of attorneys. There is what's called a durable power of attorney, and then there's what's called a springing power of attorney. Now, a springing power of attorney, the idea is great. The idea is um, I've got capacity now. I'm going to sign this paper. So if in the future I lose my capacity, then junior can take over. My kid can take over. Here's the problem with springing powers of attorney is no one ever admits when they lose capacity, right? Um, especially with a thing like dementia, there's, there's a battle for a long time about, oh, I'm fine. Oh, I don't need help. Oh, this, oh, that, right? And so then the senior never admits that they need help. And then it becomes a battle if the the kid wants to start using the document. The other type of power of attorney document is called a durable power of attorney. With a durable power of attorney, it's a document I signed today now while I have my mental faculties, and it's effective today, even though the kid may not use it today, but it remains in effect if later I start slipping, okay? Um, and this, from a practical matter, probably works better. I mean, this uh, I'll go with definitely works better in most situations because what, what happens, especially with a thing like dementia, is it's progressive in nature, right? You don't just wake up one day with dementia and not understand anything. And so the way that this goes is mom starts needing a little bit more help. Mom starts needing a little bit more help. The kids start helping, right? So initially it might be uh, we're helping with uh, check the groceries once a week. It may be that we're helping uh, get her to doctor appointments. Then it might be we're needing to check uh, the bank statements. Then it might be that we're needing to go to the bank with mom. Then it might be we're writing checks for mom. Then it might, you know, there's a progression of we're taking more and more um, responsibility for helping mom get by. And eventually, someone's going to say, well, do you have the power of attorney document? Can I see it? Because you're going to go to do a thing that only mom can do, but the reality is mom can't do it anymore. So at that point in time, we get the power of attorney document out, and the durable power of attorney will work.
the springing power of attorney, there's still going to be a question about whether the person has lost capacity. And so we need to have a durable power of attorney in place. Um, that's, that is the primary way to plan for someone's incapacity. Now, I want to make another suggestion is we ought to also take a look at some asset protection techniques. One of the things that we teach in our free workshops is uh, about a, a tool called an asset protection trust. I'm a big fan of these documents, in particular for middle-class, upper-middle-class families that are concerned about nursing home expenses. Right? Um, and this isn't picking on the nursing homes. They're in a tough business. They've got to make money, too. Um, but the system that we have in this country for seniors essentially renders seniors broke if they need long-term care, which, by the way, two out of three of us are going to need long-term care. Right? Nursing homes in this state are in the order of 150 to $180,000 a year. And most people don't have the kind of money to handle that expense. And so once you go through the money, then you go on Medicaid benefits to pay the nursing home. Now, the trick in doing proper estate planning, at least as I see it, is to understand how we can access Medicaid benefits because they're the only payment source for long-term care. We need to be able to access Medicaid benefits um, without going broke. That's that's the goal, is if there's only one payment source, and that payment source is called Medicaid, and i got a one in three chance of having dementia. Okay, so I've got a one in three chance of having dementia. There's only one payment source. Boy, I probably should understand the rules of this one government program that can help me pay for that care. Um, and one of the rules is if you have transferred assets to an asset protection trust ahead of time, then you don't have to spend those assets on long-term care. Um, and that's what a lot of our clients do. It's, it's a it's really simple when you put it that simply. It's kind of a complicated document, but, boy, I think it makes sense for a lot of our clients. And, and that's what we teach a lot of our clients at our Three Secrets to Protect Your Finance and Family workshop that you can find out all about by going to our website. Um, again, the name of the, the law firm is the Seckler Law Firm. Our website is secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com and we have free workshops that you can attend during the workshops we teach you about trust we teach you about this long-term care system we teach you how you can use trust to protect assets um, and um, you know whether you should consider a will or a trust and then we talk to you about how you can get it done at a great price and, and all the rest and so I would encourage you if you're concerned about this stuff whether for yourself or because you have an aging parent and we just need to get um, them some education so that when control needs to shift we've got the proper documentation in place bring them with you um, we love to meet mom and educate her on the things that she's really up against because what I'm seeing is most people don't take the time to become educated on these issues. But if we take the time to become educated on these issues, we can really do some good planning, okay? Um, and so a couple of, th those are sort of the thoughts. If, if we see something on the horizon where um, from a legal standpoint, we suspect that mom is gonna have capacity issues, let's get some legal documentation in place. And here's the other thing. I had a long conversation this week with a client. We did their estate plan some time ago and the husband is not well and they're looking at long-term care options, right? Um, a couple of different facilities they're trying to decide between, and they were very surprised and, and a bit troubled that all these different establishments have very different criteria um, in financial deals. Um, some of the places require a buy-in. Some of the places don't require a buy-in. Even with the places that require a buy-in, there's three or four different options there. And the spouse said to me, I'm trying to take care of my husband, but these guys want this much money, and then they want this much money a month, and I'm only 70, 
And how am I going to get by? And that's, that's a difficult situation to deal with. And so what we're having to do is we're having to look at the different financial arrangements that the different facilities have um, and, and really make some difficult decisions here. And it's a terrible place because this family actually saved well. Their retirement is solid, but for the fact that the husband is, is soon to need long-term care. Um, and we've planned, you know, I met them several years ago. We plan to protect assets, uh, and we're going through this whole process. And one of the nice things that I was able to, like, kind of comfort my client and say is, look, we've got all of our options available to us. We may decide to not go to the place that requires you to sign a contract that requires you to go broke because, Miss, you still have 25 years on this planet, and you're not going to do it broke. Um, and we're able to have that conversation because we did planning years ago for this exact issue. Um, and so um, I, I encourage you, if you are looking at a parent who is starting to slip and you suspect that care may be on the horizon, it, it may be three months from now, three years from now, I encourage you to take the time to understand the different types of facilities that are out there, the different arrangements that are out there. And this is one of the things that we help our clients with. I have an, on, on our team, we have a social worker who's familiar with all these types of arrangements, uh, and we help people find good care. And I just think that's part of doing um, good estate planning for folks. Okay, so those are sort of my three tips for people who are, are um, soon, uh, current or soon-to-be uh, caregivers is, one, understand that we should probably take a look at the power of attorney document, maybe consider a trust, understand the care options. And then the fourth is, if you are in the caregiving battle, um, you need to get the resources you need. You need to do take care of yourself as well. Um, Jennifer Ann Koviak is a person who I uh, respect a lot, I admire a lot. We've become uh, personal acquaintances of each other recently. She used to be on um, television in, in Pittsburgh, as, as you may recognize the name. But she has a set of resources called Take Care Tips. You can find her on the Internet. Um, and she started this company after after uh, having been a caregiver, um, realizing the battle that that caregivers go through from an emotional standpoint, their their own battle, not just the battle that mom or dad is going through, but the battle on the caregiver themselves, and created an entire set of resources for caregivers. And I, I encourage you, whether it's Jennifer's um, offerings or, or some other, you know, caregiver support group, understand you're not in this battle alone. There's other people going through it, and you need to get the resources you need. Um, because you can't take care of mom if you're not taking great care of yourself too. Um, Now, here's the other thing I want you to to do, uh, that I want to talk about on uh, today's episode, is is what to think about when the unthinkable happens. So what happens when we lose someone? What happens if I lose a parent? What happens if you lose um, someone who, you know, is close to you and, and perhaps you're the executor, perhaps you're um, in, in control of the financial affairs? What do we do? What do we want to think about? And, and here's the first tip. The first tip is take a deep breath, all right? Um, there is nothing that is going to occur in the first three days or the first week that is that is going to, to jeopardize the management of the estate. All right. Um, we get calls often the day mom passes away or the day after mom passes away. And our first tip is, look, we can chat in next week or in 10 days. You need to take care of you. You need to, you need to um, 
go through this experience of supporting your family members and really wrestling with the emotional loss, uh, you don't need to worry about the legal and financial on day one, okay? Um, so that's sort of my first tip is is there is no legal financial emergency that needs to be taken care of in 48 hours. Um, The second thing to understand is, especially with probate, especially with a state administration, is this thing is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, People think that they can wrap up mom's affairs in 30 days, and the reality is that just does not happen. It takes longer than that. We've got certain filing requirements. We've got certain tax returns that are due. We've got certain... um, creditor rights issues that we've got to take a look at. And and some of these things takes months, if not over a year, to unfold. Okay, so understand that there is no two-day emergency. You're not going to wrap the thing up in 30 days either. We're now into a process where we're going to be working with you or you're going to be working with a law firm um, for an extended period of time to help manage the affairs. so that is kind of that tip. And so, so let's then talk through what this entire process looks like. All right. So especially with probate, if, if your loved one passes away and their primary document is a will, well, what do we do? Well, at some point in time, in the not too distant future after the loss, um, we need to probate the will. We need to get the executor sworn in. Um, because the executor, even though you're named in a will, you don't have the legal authority to do anything until we get the proper paperwork from the courthouse. We've got to go to the Register of Wills. We need to present the original will for probate. Then you get what are called the letters of administration that, that allows you, that's actually the legal paperwork that allows you to like deal with the bank and the financial companies. You can't just go with the will to the bank in most circumstances. That's not actually a grant of legal authority. We need to get the proper paperwork from, <clears throat> from the courthouse. Now, for the first 30 days, 60 days, what we're really focused on doing is getting the right notices out to family members, letting them know that you have been effectively appointed as the executor. Um, And we're just trying to understand what the heck the scope of this job is. Um, Are are we needing to sell a house? Are we needing to understand better um, how um, what assets mom or dad owned? All right. So, so many seniors don't take the time to share with their kids what they have, right? So one of my things that we work with our clients is you need to communicate with your kids. You don't need to tell them how much money you have, but you can tell them where it is, and you can organize some statements in such a way, in in a spreadsheet in such a way that if something happens to you, the family knows what you have and where to go. Um, I can't tell you how many times what happens is somebody loses a parent, and then they find out because mom or dad never communicated, they find out that they're the executor at the funeral, right? And then they go over to mom's house and they break in, which, by the way, is still illegal. And then we go in and we find whatever we can. You know, we're going through, not we, but the person is going through filing cabinets and desk drawers and the mail and trying to get all the statements so that we have some sort of an understanding of what did mom own. And then all that paperwork goes into the only vessel that the person can find, and that's the giant eagle bag. And then the giant eagle bag comes to our office, and then we're uh, we're trying to sort through with the person all this financial information. And it results in 
hours and hours, if not dozens of hours of work, either for the kid or for the law firm, to just try to understand what were the assets that we have. What Let's just get our hands around this. I mean, there's been situations I've been involved in where we know the person had another bank account. We know there's another bank account because of the facts. We know that there's a check being deposited somewhere. But we don't know where it is. And so then we're reaching out to all the banks around town trying to figure out, did, did so-and-so have an account here? Um, and I can, you know, I, I, I sort of, you know, one of the goals, whether you are the adult child or whether you are the person with the health issue, I know this is not fun stuff to think about, but communication organization is key. Understanding ahead of time what are we going to be dealing with really saves us lots and lots of headache, lots and lots of stress, lots and lots of time after we've had a loss. Okay, so, but that's the first 30, 60 days trying to get our heads around the scope of the project. Next, then we have an inheritance tax return that is due. The inheritance tax return is not due for nine months, but there's a discount if we can if we can file it within three months. And so we file it within three months, and um, the vast majority of the time, unless there's some sort of a circumstance factually that, that doesn't allow us to do that. So we're going to go through this process of, of paying some taxes. Um, now, during the first year in probate in Pennsylvania, creditors have the ability to come out of the woodwork and say, hey, your mom owed me money. Right uh, on a contract she signed a few years ago for medical bills for uh, for whatever thing the thing may be. If if mom has creditors, creditors have 12 months after we've put the notice in the newspaper that the estate has been opened to come out of the woodwork and and say, hey, your mom owed us some money. Which is one of the reasons why probate in Pennsylvania just takes so darn long, is because if the executor of the will. Um, distributes all the money to herself or to the siblings or whatever and then an exec and then a creditor comes out of the woodwork at month 10 or 11 and says hey 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 you should not have distributed that money to yourself and to your siblings because your mom owed me money and i'm supposed to be paid before you get paid um then now that executor is personally liable for having made the wrong decision and so one of my tips to executors is don't be in such a rush to distribute all the money because if a creditor comes out, you personally take some exposure here. You personally have some risk, and uh, and that typically is not a fantastic idea. And that's one of the reasons we talk to our clients about using asset protection trusts and avoiding probate is to try to reduce the amount of assets that are subject to these creditor rights. One of the things that we found over the years is our clients that, that have trusts, particularly asset protection trusts, we are able... Uh, to distribute the inheritance much, much faster than when families use a will because we don't have a 12-month creditor rights period. Um, As I mentioned before, another thing that we're wrestling with as part of this process is the inheritance tax return is due by the nine-month period. Um, and it takes us, you know, a lot of people, uh, our clients uh, are uh, wanting to know why, why does it take so long to get the inheritance tax return filed. And most of that is because we don't get all the bills right away, right? I mean, it, a lot of the hospital systems around here don't even give us their bill for the final expenses until six months after the person passes away. That's a, that's a valid deduction against the inheritance tax. Uh, and so we cannot really file the return until we get all those expenses sorted out. And so th- this is, you know, my very, I think it was my second point when we got to this topic is this thing is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And, and oftentimes the things that slow down the process are out of your control. They're out of our control. Um, it's either the court process, the tax process, 
this sort of outdated 12-month creditor rights period that we have in Pennsylvania. Um, and it's just a, a sort of red tape type thing that, that goes on. And so that's one of the reasons why when we're doing planning ahead of time, um, we like to avoid the probate system if we can. We like to use trusts. We like to structure the affairs in a way to eliminate at least some of this administration headache some of the time. Uh, and, and because what, what that does is it allows us to reduce the, the burden on the executor, the burden on the family, the stress between the siblings, um, and just, frankly, you know, get them the money faster. Um, and so those are a couple of the things that I wanted to mention. You know, we're, we're talking today, um, you know, we, we've certainly done episodes with more energy, but I think this was helpful. I hope this was helpful for you um, on the things uh, to think about when the unthinkable happens. And if you are in a position where it's time to get yourself prepared, time to get a loved one prepared, I would encourage you to attend one of our upcoming estate planning workshops where we teach you the difference between wills and trusts. We teach you how to protect assets from long-term care expenses. We teach you the things you need to know to put your affairs in order in such a way that we can get your stuff to your family without any undue interference by the government or the probate system or taxes or the nursing home. We're, we're you know, th- there is a way to do successful estate planning. It just requires a little bit of education, and that's why the workshop is free. We want you to come out. We want you to learn all about these different tools and how they may or may not make sense for you um, and start the process of getting prepared from a legal document standpoint, from a, a financial organization standpoint, from a healthcare standpoint, where are we going to receive our care? How are we going to pay for it? Really charting out a successful retirement for you and for or, or for your senior loved one um, is a process that can be done. First step is education, and we hope to see it at one of our upcoming estate planning workshops. Now, remember, this episode is for your education, is for your information. This episode is not legal advice. Don't take any uh, of the things I said as legal advice. Don't make any decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show. If you need some legal help, we're happy to help you. Attend one of our upcoming workshops. You can register at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. I appreciate you listening to the show today. Have a great week. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.